Utah's best sports radio is on the Zone Sports Network. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is... And it's time to kick off Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in The Zone Sports Network. Our next guests are the co-hosts of the very popular radio program entitled The Big Show. The Big Show. This is The Big Show. They call me Hollywood. Here come The Big Show. Big Show. Ladies and gentlemen, The Big Show. It's a big show. Everybody ready? Uh-oh. Guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Hey, guess what day it is. Oh, come on. I know you can hear me. It's hump day. Woo-woo! Hump day? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome in. It is The Big Show here on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM The Zone. I'm Gordon Monson along with uh, Austin Horton who will be producing the show today. Jake Scott, my normal partner, well, he's still on vacation uh, just for one more day today. I think he's back tomorrow. But uh, Austin and I will be holding down the Ford for a little while. And then Patrick Kinahan will be sitting in whenever he gets here. Did uh, he give you any idea when he might be showing up? Is it just sort of whatever? He'll roll listen, in when it's convenient? L- listen, he does what he wants when he wants where he wants. <laughs> if he comes, great. If he doesn't, eh, we'll be all right. PK, PK, uh, when you reach a certain stage, I think uh, you you reach a point where you can pretty much uh, call your own shots, right? Yeah. Who are you to tell PK when to be where? <laughs> Well, we're, we're glad he's uh, agreed to uh, come in and, and do double duty today because I was listening to him and DJ uh, earlier today, and they had some they had some good stuff. I really enjoyed it, as I usually do. So PK will uh, be stopping by. Uh, also, we'll have Greg Rubel on the show. He'll he'll uh, make an appearance at four, and David Locke at five o'clock. So Austin. We got a pretty full show today. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, have you recovered from your stint on air with me yesterday? Uh, you're you, you're a veteran. You've done that many many times. But uh, what was it like uh, driving the big show? Well, any time that I co-host with you, Gordon, it does give me so much more grander, uh, almost uh, awe-inspiring, awestruck uh, appreciation. <laughs> for what Jake Scott does on a freaking (laughs) daily basis. The man's a hero is what he's Uh, doing. He's doing the Lord's work every day from uh, 2 to 7 here. uh, Well, I'm glad. (laughs) That's not exactly what I was hoping to hear. Oh. But uh, if that's the way you feel about it, then I I will tell you, the the setup there at my hearing centers, that was cush. That was a nice – I hear you guys uh, glowing all the time about being at the warehouse, and Uh for good reason – but my hearing centers, they've got a nice, cushy setup there. That was, a, that was a good way to do a show. So how would you rate, after you've been down there and seeing what they do, how would you rate your own hearing? Uh, well, because I want to go back uh, so badly and just to <laughs> take a nap. It's so comfortable in those chairs they have. I'd say I'm a one out of 100. I need help ASAP. 
Oh, really? Uh, I think that most of us who work in the sports industry, who have been in many, many arenas, uh, covering many, many games, hearing many, many crowds, I bet I bet a lot of us have lost a little something what? through the years. <laughs> yeah. We're just uh, we got lots we got lots to get to today before PK gets here and after he gets here then we'll uh we'll get his thoughts on a number of things but why don't we jump right in uh and uh, and get to our business uh with our split story of the day Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. You talk, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280, The Zone. And The Zone Sports Network. Inbound to Grant, there's the horn. The Denver Nuggets stave off a fourth quarter run by the L.A. Lakers. And the Nuggets are right back in this thing, baby. Denver wins game number three by a final of 114 to 106. Do you snore night or are you currently using the CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundSleepMedical.com. And Gordon, they sponsor the split story of the day. Well, Let's uh, let's look at this Nuggets Lakers situation because I think there's application for Jazz fans here with what the Nuggets are doing, and I'll talk about that in a second. But when I watch the Nuggets play, I mean, this team has some very nice qualities. They might not be the most talented team in the league, but man, do they play! And man, are they tough? Tough-minded. They have toughness. They don't shrink away. Uh, they have two stars in Jamal Murray and the Joker, but they get contributions elsewhere. Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, Gary Harris, uh, Paul Millsap at times. Uh, they step up to the occasion, and even after that gut punch they took in Game 2, where, you know, they had every reason to win that game, every, and they had put themselves in a position to win it, and then AD hits that ridiculous three-pointer. But uh, I, I have great admiration for what I'm seeing out of the Nuggets, and I think those are qualities that the Jazz can learn to emulate. What do you think? Well, uh, I'll address something first uh, off the bat of what you said, because after they were down 3-1 to the Jazz uh, in, in that game four, I, the way they were carrying themselves uh, and the way they looked, I thought for sure that the Denver Nuggets were the type of team that was going to just fold and just quit and just uh-huh. uh, blame each other and go into uh, one person ball and it was going to be a disaster for them and the Jazz were going to make quick work and to close them out in a gentleman's sweep in five games and boy was I ever dead wrong and then you mentioned they get help from others outside of Jamal Murray who is exploding onto the scene right before our eyes not that we haven't been aware of him but it's being much more consistent a lot sooner in postseason play than I would have expected from a guy like him some might say the same about Donovan Mitchell they're very similar Uh, and Nikola Jokic is just fascinating to watch but you mentioned Jeremy Grant with a career playoff high 21 points last night Paul Millsap with a paltry 6 points but his screens his uh, assists they were on point. He's a body, at least on defense, although not much more than that anymore. And then you've got uh, guys on the bench like Morris, who can fill in from time to time and help you. Uh, You mentioned the 6'10 length of Michael Porter Jr. on one end of the floor. And when you're bringing a 6'11 guy in in, uh, Plumlee to back up Jokic, 
you've got something there. And I look around and I look at how many minutes the starters had to play for the Nuggets against the Jazz compared to how many starters the Jazz had to play against the Nuggets. And the Nuggets averaged five to six minutes less a game for their starters because they had better help on the bench side of things. And I think you're seeing that play out here against the Lakers, especially in that uh, where they were able to hold off that referee. I mean, Lakers comeback late last night, Gordon. Uh, (laughs) And uh, they, they held them off with help from guys that you might not expect to see helping them, but they do. It gets back to, uh, well, some of it is talent. I get that, just raw talent. We talk about that a lot as far as success in the NBA goes. But with these Nuggets, they have that 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 fortitude. And I agree with you. I thought the Jazz were going to put that team away after they won those three straight games. They all, nearly won the first game as well. That could have been a sweep. You know, it really could have been a sweep. One point away from a sweep. But the Nuggets were having none of it. You say you were wrong. I was wrong. I think we all were wrong. We thought that was in the in 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 the in the vault for the Jazz. But man, I I, I enjoy seeing a team rally the way the Nuggets have, not just against the Jazz, but against the Clippers as well, and now against the Lakers. So as I said, some people thought that the way they lost Game Two was just going to take the wind out of their sails. It didn't. It did not at all. I didn't see any of that. Yeah, the Lakers came back in that second half, and it looked like they they might give themselves a chance. But the Nuggets, they didn't shrink away. You saw Jamal Murray hit that step-back three. I mean, that's just great stuff. Which one? Uh, There was one that was like 70 feet long and 70 feet high. (laughs) But then the one before that, that was – and you know what, Gordon? You know what I've noticed? He really likes to go left. Well, especially when he's doing those step back threes and step back shot, and I'm every time I'm watching this going, does Frank Vogel not realize that all he's got to do is shade him right, and maybe that'll change things? Every single one of his made shots down the stretch was going left. It's incredible, and it's more than just pure talent because the the Nuggets absolutely killed the Lakers on the boards last night. Oh, is it? They they outboarded them by like what was it nineteen? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, forty four to twenty five or something like that. <laughs> that's just that's just good hard work, and that's what they did. And uh, look, if the Lakers uh, get lackadaisical in this series, they're going to lose. I know everyone's picking the Lakers. They have two of the top what four or five players in the league on their team. Be careful, man. We saw it with our own eyes. The Jazz were playing about as well as we've seen them play in a long, long time against the Nuggets. And they were absolutely uh, challenged uh, by this Nuggets team. They withstood what the Jazz could give them, even when when uh, Donovan was doing what he was doing. And uh, I just, I don't know. There's, the word that comes to mind is respect. I respect what I see out of the Nuggets. The question is, can the Jazz get that kind of help for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert? I mean, can they? Austin, am I on? Am I going to have to carry Gordon today? Yeah, we please. Am I going to have to carry Gordon again, Austin? Let me know when I'm when I'm live. It's hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is he ready, Austin? Yeah. Oh, oh, hey, hey, Gordon, how are you, buddy? Man, that was Put profound me. thought. You know, I really appreciate it. You got me thinking deep about all these things. You know, those those are penetrating questions you were posing. Well, what are your answers? Because I need them. 
Well, yeah, I mean, they're, they're very uh, pertinent. I think it's two things. You know, you look at the Nuggets and uh, Jamal Murray, the highest draft pick, which I think he was like sixth or seventh. So yeah. it's beyond that. Well, you just got to roll into a Tim Duncan, a Shaq, a LeBron, and away you go. Uh, that's not true. I think that uh, I'm not sure that there's ever been as much talent top to bottom in the NBA as there is right now. Uh, so, you know, you find these guys, Kawhi Leonard was, what, 13 or 14, whatever. And obviously the statues, they weren't relatively high picks considering how great they were. So you've got to have your two stars, in this case, Gobert and Mitchell, be really, really good. And in the Nuggets, they've got two stars who are really, really good. Then this is where management comes in, and you got to believe in your management. The management has got to – they come in at all, all points. But you've got to find ways to supplement that roster with high-quality guys who you may have to get out on the cheap. You know, you get a Jeremy Grant who comes up big. You get a Michael Porter who's available. The Nuggets – the good thing about the Nuggets, when you look at the Lakers – they got the two studs at the top, and then they got two or three other guys that they've got to play well. They got to shoot the ball well in order for the uh, Lakers to succeed. They don't have a lot of options. Well, the Nuggets last night they get big games from Grant and Morris. All right, I don't know if they can do it game in and game out, but then you can look at they can turn to other guys. Harris, for instance, can, and Millsap still got a little bit of left in the tank, so they got some other guys that. You know, maybe that can augment the bench players or the or the supporting cast. It doesn't have to be the same guys every night. So the Jazz got to find a way to get strengthen out that rotation because it looks like obviously they got two really good players at the top, and particularly Mitchell. I mean, Mitchell, you know, fill in your fantasy about how good he can be, and I think that's within within the realm of possibility as long as it's not too outrageous, and so. How good can guys three through eight be? And if they're pretty doggone good and they find guys, well, then the Jazz should be in the thick of things. You know, the irony in what you were saying there, PK, is before this season started, I thought the Jazz, you were, we were going to be able to say the same thing about the Jazz that you just said about the Nuggets. Because with the addition of Jeff Green and Ed Davis, I thought those guys were going to be mm-hmm. – I, I thought the Jazz were to a point where they would fit that same – Bill, where they, where they, if one guy was off one night, somebody else they could find. Quinn Snyder could look down his bench and find somebody else to plug in. I'm, they're not at the level of the Nuggets when it comes to uh, the distribution of responsibilities, and uh, that's something you know. Maybe they can pick up a kind of guy that could help in the way that Grant and Morris and Harris do. I guess uh, we'll yeah, see what and, happens. Yeah, and those are all important. And, and there's nothing wrong with failing. Because failing sucks, and believe me, I ought to know. But <laughs> the idea of failing is that you tried. And so you tried with Green. You tried with Davis, and it didn't work out. All right. You go back to the drawing board, as they say, and you try again. And Jazz have a lot, of off, a lot to offer guys. Guys, particularly as they get older, they are intrigued by what the Jazz have to offer because they can offer a lot of different things. So I believe that they can flush out that roster. I don't know that they're going to win a title because it's awfully hard. I think of all the major sports, winning a title in the NBA is the hardest. And so you want to be in the mix and you get a break or two, see what happens. But I think they've got opportunities to flush out the roster and and, and be okay, you know, because 
you can argue, well, they have Bogdanovich. They're beating Denver. Now Denver didn't have a couple of guys in Burton and Harris. So, you know, you can go back and forth on that. And in the end, the discussion is meaningless because the Jazz squandered a 3-1 lead, didn't get the job done, and Denver got it done, and that's all that matters. Pro sports is about did you or didn't you. But the Jazz have opportunities to make this team better. If you can make this team better, no guarantees that you're going to be in the Western Conference Final, but you should be in the mix to get there. PK, I've heard you say a thousand times that if you get a couple of uh, if you get a couple of stars, uh, top level stars in the NBA, then it really doesn't matter <laughs> how many adjustments you make or what kind of strategies you come up with. Uh, if you have LeBron, you're going to be uh, a contender. Is do you think that Donovan Mitchell can? He may not be LeBron. I get that, but can he be in the same paragraph? With, with that, and if he can, isn't that haven't the Jazz already found the most difficult thing to find? Well, if you go by what he did in the Orlando area, the answer is yes. He took a quantum leap from March to August. Uh, incredible. So yes, I, I think so. I, I think he's there. I think, or maybe he's on the way. Maybe he's not there, but he's on the way. But they still need other pieces. But, yeah, getting that getting that big-time stud allows you to be competitive. You know, we go uh, crazy with the analytics. And, and analytics are important, but talent is what's going to win in this league. And, you know, you can, you can analytic everything as much as you want. But in the end, the team that has the best players usually is the team that wins. And so when you look at LeBron, he's the prime example. I don't think that uh, anybody in the league right now, and for that matter, for several years, has been as good as LeBron. And so he's the best player. And so automatically he's in contention, if not having the best team. Then you add some pieces around him, and away you go. And so that's the task of Justin Zanuck and, and Dennis Lindsay to add those pieces around this young emerging superstar i don't think he's there yet but boy the way he played in august and his determination and his attitude and the way he took the the, one of the things that i loved gordon is how hard he took to defeat that's great i want to see these guys be in pain when they lose i don't want him to just (laughs) slough it off and say oh this isn't going to ruin my summer if it was a traditional year or uh, you know whatever no i want to see these guys hurt because if you're hurt that's how you get better. I can remember when the Jazz uh, beat, was the, I think it was the Bulls in game one when I wrote that infamous headline for the Watchdog to piss off Jordan. And oh, yeah, I appreciate that. Thank that you. you. Wrote. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember at the end of that Jordan, game. Jordan to walk already... off the court a loser, I think it was, PK. Well, I do what I do. I only reflected what you wrote, so don't blame me. Um <laughs> But I remember that game. You know, they'd already won five titles. And I remember specifically, it's a little isolated incident, but Scottie Pippen had gum in his mouth. And when they lost that game, he took the gum out and he threw it out on the floor. He was mad. Now, if they would have lost that series and they go 5-1 and one in the finals, who's going to really criticize them that much? Particularly Pippen, who, you know, a Hall of Famer, 
but not the elite level guy that that Jordan was. It's like they, you know, he'd already established himself, but it hurt to lose. They wanted to win really bad. So I want it to hurt to lose. I don't want these guys just to slough it off and be like, oh, great, man. Now I got three months vacation and I make $15, $20 million a year. So I got no worries. No, in the moment, I want it to hurt. And it hurt with Mitchell. And that meant something to me to see how hard he took it. I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy that from a perverse uh, point of view. I enjoyed it from a competitive point of view. So, PK, what's your evaluation of Rudy Gobert? Because obviously he's the other star in the equation. Uh, is when you when you when you pay a lot of money to your star players, and and now the standard for those guys is so freaking high, like you were talking about with Donovan Mitchell. Now you're comparing them. To the uh, to the LeBron James and the Anthony Davises on other teams and the stars around the league, we see all that. Can Rudy Gobert offer that same level, maybe a little different way, but uh, that same level of play that the Jazz are going to need in order to uh, contend? Well, he can obviously offer it on the defensive end for sure. Offensively, you know, there's some deficiencies there, and he's going to have to find ways to get better. And the Jazz are going to have to find ways to utilize what he does well. I mean, that that's the essence of coaching is putting your guys in the position to where they can succeed to the best of their abilities. And Jerry Sloan obviously was a master at that. You know, whatever talent you have, I'm going to put you in the position to utilize that talent to the best of your ability. And clearly Jerry did that. And I, and, and I have no reason to think that Quinn Snyder can't do it either because when you look at it, this whole season that they had was a season of adjustments, right? You bring in two new guys in your starting lineup, so 40% of your starting lineup is brand new. Well, it just doesn't immediately click. And then we go through all the ups and downs of the regular season. Then you get to the restart in the playoff, and you're having another adjustment because Bogdanovich is out. So it was all sorts of adjustments the entire season. Well, assuming that they bring back Conley and Bogdanovich, which, you know, I think they would, and they bring back the nucleus of the team. They're going to add parts. They never bring back everybody. But the nucleus of the team, in my mind, should be better next year because now you've had a whole season. You had an extended season to study because you basically had a four-month break in towards the end of the season that extended the season. So, you know, Mike Conley, you should know exactly what you got. Mike should know precisely where he fits in and, you know, how – everything offensively is going to revolve around Donovan Mitchell because he's offensively right now, he's already a star. He's how big of a superstar can he be? So I think that they go into next season stronger than where they left off. Again, the West is tough. You know, the Warriors, if they get their health, they're going to be tough. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma City is going to have a new coach, a little bit of a wild card. Houston, new coach, wild card. Uh, Clippers, Clippers, I wonder, man. That, that, the Jazz, I can live with them losing that 3-1 lead. But if I'm in Clipperland, I'm overturning tables and chairs. That was inexcusable. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely inexcusable. Well, uh, this is my conclusion that I've drawn off of what I've seen in this playoffs. And you bring up a good point with the Warriors because if they come back – healthy and uh that that's going to be a, a another hurdle to clear but the difference from the top to bottom in the uh, in the west as far as the playoff teams i think is more slight than i thought 
I mean, the Jazz, they're not that far away, man. They're not that far away. I don't think if they can just build it a little bit and do what you just described, learn from last year and put it together, you know, that might be them challenging the Lakers for for a, a slot in the finals. I, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it, it seems like it's not like some sort of pipe dream either. It's not. It's not beyond the realm, but things got to go your way. Uh, you know, uh, Davis hits a shot to beat the Nuggets. Conley misses a shot. You know, both excellent shots, both right there. One goes in, one doesn't. You know, I think you, in that situation, in that game, I think you can very much live with Conley missing that shot because it was a fine shot and it was right there. So things got to break your way. Health has got to be there. All sorts of stuff. It's just I just think it's so stinking hard in the NBA to to win a title and at the same time it also could be the easiest because you look at just use baseball and, and football uh, you know look at the Washington Nationals and this is a screwy, screwy season we had guys opt out uh, but they're not even going to be 500 this year. And last yeah. year they win the World Series, right? So there's no guarantee. Or in basketball, if you get a, a set of guys, you can string it out a little bit, you know, like the Warriors did, like LeBron did for a couple. Uh, like, obviously, we just spoke about the Bulls. So if you get the right group of guys, then you're set for three to five years potentially. The other sports, you know, you, that's what you see when the trade deadline comes around, particularly in baseball. Some of these teams make these massive trades because you don't know if it's going to come around again, and you got to take advantage of it. Well, in basketball, if you got the right set of guys, it's probably going to come around again next year. Yeah. You know? We've, no. we've seen that. We've seen teams stumble. The Bulls were notorious for stumbling, and they got past Detroit. Detroit was notorious for stumbling against Boston, and then they got past Boston, and they had a little bit of a, a great run there where they won a bunch of Eastern Conference deals and won a couple of NBA titles. You know, the Lakers and the Celtics trading times, and, 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 it, and it goes like that. You just got to make sure that you're getting there at the right time. And that's where I think, you know, with Jazz, with well, Mitchell just turned 24 earlier this month, and what's Gobert, 27? Yeah, Clearly the best days ahead of them. There's no doubt about it. That's why if you're a fan, if I'm a fan of any team, I'm not really a fan of professional teams, but if I put myself in the position of, of a fan of an individual team, I want my team to be in win-now mode, and I think that's where the Jazz are. All right, PK sitting in for the vacationing, relaxing Jig Scott. Great Scott. Uh, thanks for sitting in he? today, PK. Uh, Where is, he, is he a pal? I think Austin? he had court. <laughs> court. <laughs> that wouldn't be over relaxing, would it? <laughs> no, I think he's floating on a raft somewhere. But, okay, uh, PK, cool. we, we appreciate you sitting in. Austin Horton driving this bus. When we come back, we'll uh, take up our second stop in the split story, BYU-Troy. Anybody excited about that game? We'll talk about it coming up next. This is DJ and PK. 
Former Cougar Jordan Pendleton joining us. Your Cougars looked awesome against Navy. How much of that do you think BYU's got a really good offensive line and they are going to roll through Troy and roll through the other teams? And how much of that was Navy hadn't been hitting and it really isn't a fair test? That's a tough one, man. They did look unbelievable. It was so nice to see an identity on offense. And I'm hoping that that's how BYU's going to play the rest of the season. And we'll find out. You would love to see them be able to play with that momentum and carry that momentum on, but having two weeks off and then now facing Troy, it'll be interesting to see how BYU comes out and how they've been preparing for the last two weeks since the victory over Navy. Catch DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go Ooh, turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Austin, PK is sitting in for the vacationing Jake Scott, and Austin is back in the studio, and we're hearing a little music here. PK, you picked the band of the day. Who'd you pick? I picked Little Big Town. Been emerging. They're kind of like Donovan Mitchell. You know, they're emerging as a superstar band. That's why I went with them, because I knew you were going to have that. So I just had telepathy or something, whatever it's called. <laughs> and as you know, the band of the day is brought to you by Live Nation Concerts, by Concert Tickets. And get the latest tour news and artist insight at LiveNation.com. PK, how would you define telepathy? Uh, something that I have. It's the ability <laughs> to read people, see where they're at, where their motives are, what's in their heart, what's piercing their soul, those types of things. That's not telepathy. <laughs> That's so more like women's me intuition. What the official <laughs> definition is? He asked me how would I define it. No, uh-huh. <laughs> he didn't Let's ask see. me what the correct definition was. He said, "How would you define it?" Eh, here, regardless. I, I I bet if we asked Mister Know It All uh, what telepathy means, he probably would know. PK, I I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Austin, do you? Uh, how would I mean, you define? Do you want the fancy version or do you want my version? Because my version is the supposed communication of thoughts or ideas by means other than the known senses. Right. That's what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Gordon. It's clear to me Austin is jealous because I told him I'd be a few minutes late because I I had to go to the salon to get. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, made me jealous. Yeah, I had to get a haircut, and obviously he's jealous because he didn't have to do that. Because I don't have a hair to cut. <laughs> well, PK, you've always had good hair, man. I, I saw a I picture of PK. One. I saw a picture of PK when he was in high school. Man, you had it going on back in the day, PK. Easy boy. Well, you can go to my Instagram and see that picture. It was the day after my high school graduation. I'm topless, and my <laughs> hair had just been, uh, I had gone for graduation, so it was looking. I had gotten it cut. It was still long by, by standards, not long by those standards uh, in, the, in those times back in the 40s. Uh, so I... <laughs> If you want to see what I look like the day after I graduated high school, you can go on my Instagram. 
You know, people ask me that question all the time about how I was able to uh, uh, influence Lisa into uh, marrying me. And people, you get that question about Jackie all the time, PK. But what folks don't know about us is that back in the day, I mean, it was a long time ago. It was like 50, 60, 70 years ago. But back then, <laughs> you know, we had a lot to offer. Well, they didn't have the Internet back then, so no, less choices. No, they, they didn't. We did I things still the old do. It's just more shrivelly. <laughs> All right, let's get to the second stop. BYU, Troy, PK. Uh, you think folks are excited about that? I think they are because we're hungry for some football, man. We want to see what we can because it's become somewhat scarce. I think I read somewhere that the Houston has lost a fifth game or something for one I reason. Four. Or... I think they had four games that were slated to be their openers, and all four have been uh, postponed. So, so yeah, we'll, we'll take what there. we can get. Uh, the Trojans oh, aren't sure. great, but they can play, especially on offense. They have that balanced attack, good athleticism at the skill positions. And I think we're going to find out. Uh, look, it's at a certain level, but we're going to find out a little more about BYU's defense. What can they do against the team? That isn't just going to run it and run it and run it. This team can pass it, too. I think against Middle Tennessee State, which is a bad football team, but I think they got about 270 – I'm rounding these numbers off, but about 270 on the ground and 240 through the air or something like that. What do you make of it? Yeah. Well, I watched that game, which is just preposterous to say. If you would have asked me months ago, say like in February, but the game was on – and I was available to watch it, and I know that's you know sort of work. Get an idea because I'm not paying attention to Troy. If I'm BYU, I approach this game as if it's uh, the other men of Troy and it's the other Trojans, because if you're Troy, you're coming out here, and some of these schools it's fun to see. They're getting a lot of publicity that they normally wouldn't get, and they get an opportunity to come out here. How many of these kids have been out this part of the country? So you know you're going to be on, on television, nationally speaking, right? And you get an opportunity, I'm sure, when they, they get down there, and the game will be, uh, it'll be a dark. But when they get to the campus, I assume it's going to be the day before in the, in the daytime, you're going to see these mountains that are just towering over the stadium and the campus, right? You, we all know that. Well, that, that, what, a, what an ideal setting. I mean, this, this, and you're playing a program that has a national rap. There's just, you know, Ute fans, you say whatever you want, but Troy people have heard of BYU football. You may not know a lot about it, but, you know, very least, you know, Detmer and Steve Young and Lavelle Edwards and all that stuff. And so they ought to be jacked to play it. And they look like they had some talent, undersized a little bit at the running back, but you know, quarterback, you know, you're judging it based on Middle Tennessee, which isn't very good. But if you're BYU, I think you go into this game thinking this 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 means everything here. You haven't played for a couple of weeks, and really now, you know, you hear you hear seniors. I always love talking to seniors in November when it's ending, or uh, seniors in basketball the end of February and March because their perspective. Some of them have been through a lot of stuff, and they look back and they realize how fast it's gone and how grateful they were for the opportunities that they've had. Well, now you want to have that right now because there's a lot of programs that aren't playing. And you get an opportunity to play a football game, you ought to be just jacked. So, yeah, I'm starved for it. I'm very much looking forward to it. Do you uh, think uh, it takes any of the shine off of it that uh, no fans will be there? 
Well, that sucks. That just sucks. I mean, we're talking with David Nixon, and I will get to that later. Uh, we have him on once a week. I've known him for a long time now. And, you know, the thrill of running down that ramp with that human tunnel and, you know, a couple of flags and an alumni guy and some other guys carrying the cheerleaders leading the way, that is just so cool. That just It's cooler than the NFL. It just screams college football. So you don't get that. It uh, would be their first home game, and it is going to be their first home game, and 60-some and thousand folks would be there. Everybody would be excited. and So you got to generate it from within. That's why I wrote a little piece today that I think Kalani dancing on the sideline. He's not exactly Tiny Dancer, but <laughs> him, him dancing on the sidelines is just a shrewd move. Get these guys fired up, man, because you don't have your own fans or – and BYU always travels well, whether they don't. And I know the knock is, well, they're just church members that are in the area. So what? It doesn't matter. And I've been with BYU and basketball and football throughout the country for many years, and I've seen it firsthand. And uh, that fires them up because you can always, no matter where they are, there's always a significant section. I mean, literally, no matter where they are. I've been in Michigan, and you see it. And obviously, you go to the California places or the Pac-12 schools, and they're they're there in abundance. But you know, they don't have that. I wish there was some way. And in my simple mind, I don't understand why they can't. Why I can go to Costco, but I can't put in a couple thousand fans. But what do I know? PK, of all the games that you've been to, let's limit it to BYU right now, since we're talking about the Cougars. Of all the games you've been to, and I've been to many of them alongside you, which yeah. one stands out as, as being most notable for BYU fans showing up in, in a, a foreign stadium? Well, it was funny. I've got a funny story on that uh, in, um, what was it? I, I can't remember the years, so, so don't quote me on the years. Uh, but we're down in the Rose Bowl and the the Cougars are playing. And, you know, there's just obviously tons of BYU fans in Southern California. And they're just, they're there big-time numbers. Um, and uh, this story was told to me. I think it was told to me by Val Hale, if I remember correctly. And Mike Garrett's the athletic director at SC. And he's either watching it or he hears about it or somehow he sees the attendance. And it's for a non-conference game that time of year it's like 15 20,000 more and he does some investigating and he's like well and he finds out well it's the Latter-day Saint folk basically coming out and BYU fans not all Latter-day Saints uh, not every BYU fan particularly if you recruit a non-LDS kid from California his family's going to be there too so anyway you get the point and so he says we well, we got to get BYU on the schedule and they did <laughs> and and they played them uh, so they were there, and they that was something as far as BYU. But then you go to these places way off, Georgia Tech, of all places. I can remember sitting there in their press box, Virginia. Uh, I tell you a story. BYU is playing basketball, a couple of basketball stories, and they're playing at the Palace which was out in Auburn Hills. It doesn't exist anymore. I think they tore it up. They blew it up because the Pistons have moved in. Well, they were playing Michigan State out there, right? And uh, I get in. They're playing on uh, Saturday. I get in on a Friday, the airport, and it's just jammed the freeway. 
and it's snowing and raining, and it's taking forever. And my brother-in-law, my, 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 my mother-in-law grew up there, so I've got family ties. And my brother-in-law lived there for many years, and that freezing rain stuff can be very treacherous. You're like me, who I learned to drive in Phoenix and then moved to California, so I had no experience. And it took forever to get there, and I was all flustered by the time I get there. And I walk up uh, to the outside of the Marriott, and there's a car there. And I see it. First thing I see when I get out of my car, my rental car, it's like BYU wins or such. Personalized license plates. And it's from Michigan. And it's there. And BYU fans, sure enough, they're there. And then I, you know, I worked in Los Angeles like you did for many years. And I was there to cover a uh, BYU Pepperdine basketball game. And my friend from the uh, Orange County Register, he was assigned to cover the game. And... He, at the time, he now covers uh, NHL hockey, but at the time, he covered all the, the the smaller schools, basketball, Long Beach, LMU, Pepperdine, those types of things, right? And so with Pepperdine, he used to be able to, he'd drive up, because you got to get out to Malibu, it's a little bit, in, not the easiest place to get to, so he had it down to where... He could park right outside the little arena, so he'd get there about 10 minutes before the game. Well... BYU's playing, and all the little parking spots are taken. And I see him, because I used to work with him at the Daily Breeze, and I see him, and he says he's driving up the hill, and all of his parking spots, they're all gone. He's thinking, <laughs> what the heck is going on? And then, and then he's telling me the story, and when he gets to the arena, uh, Fieldhouse, whatever, something Fieldhouse is what they're called, what it's called, I can't remember. And uh, he gets there, and he sees me. He says, yeah, I'm a little late. And he's, I'm wondering, where, are, what are all these cars here? And then I remember, oh, yeah, it's BYU. All these blankety-blank Mormons are coming out to support the team. <laughs> and, I mean, that's just a fact. That's what they do. Teams want to get them on their schedule because they'll boost their attendance. I heard that same story that you relayed there <clears throat> about Mike Garrett. I think it was Tom Homo who told that story because he told it to me. Okay, and, maybe uh, it was. I mean, he, it was Tom. He, he said that um, he said that Garrett said to him, I think they were down at the Coliseum, and Garrett said to him, "Wow, why you guys really travel well? You know, they, I can't believe all these BYU fans came down here." And Tom told him, "No, no, uh, Mike, these are your neighbors." Yeah, you know. These are the right. neighbors who come here. But, uh, yeah. So, it's anyway, real. point is, I heard with your discussion uh, this morning with uh, David Nixon and when you were talking, PK, you gave a very eloquent uh, rant, I guess, about how these players, these student-athletes, should relish every minute they're on the field, regardless of the fans are in the stands or not, just because it's for most of them it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And it's pretty unique and pretty cool. And I don't know yeah. how many of those guys go on in other parts of their lives. They might be, they might have great success in whatever they end up doing. But playing, you know, just having an opportunity to play college football is just cool in and of itself. So, anyway, well, uh, I'm sure BYU's players are pretty stoked to be able to get out and 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 uh, you know pad up and and you know bang around out on the field with a result that really matters in their records. So uh, I want to ask you a question when we come back, PK, about whether your interest and you think people's interest in sports in this age of COVID has waned at all. We'll talk about that coming up next on The Big Show. 
back. It is the big show. I'm Gordon Monson. Patrick Kennahan sitting in alongside. You can hear him every morning with DJ. Every single morning. This has been going on for 28 years or so, hasn't it, PK? Yeah, we're just about ready to hit our golden anniversary. <laughs> anyway, Austin Horton back in the studio. Um, PK, I asked that question before we went to break about how do you do you have you been able to get any kind of gauge on what the interest level is in sports? Is it the same as it ever has been or do you think it's waned a little bit because so many people have all kinds of matters on their minds? What do you think? That's a complex Gordon complex Gordon question. That's a complex question, Gordon. And, uh, you know, everything that I say is unscientific because I just can only relate to my f- my experiences. So they're anecdotal. Uh, although, you know, what we do, we utilize Facebook and we usually pose some questions and the night before I do. And then we hit it and go from there. And so we get some... F- We'll get anywhere from 25 to 125 responses, depending on how juicy the topic is. So it's not just it's not just exclusively my own eyeball face to face experience. For me, I've been all over it. Uh, I've missed it and I appreciate it. I've always appreciated it. I've always been one to appreciate the the competition aspect, not to get so hung up on who wins and who loses. I'm a fan of sports as opposed to a fan of an individual team uh, pretty much outside of the Sun Devils. Uh, so I enjoy great shots, whether they come from Luka Doncic, Anthony Davis, whomever it might be. You know, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I've had a number of people come up to me or interact with me and tell me they're, they're turned off, and a lot of it is the politics. Well, it has gotten a little more complicated, that's for sure. But uh, maybe some people will relish that and be able to. I think some people have been turned off by that. I think that once sports get going again and life gets a little bit back to normal, if we can get there, that that might that might uh, rectify itself. Yeah, it might. But at the same time, you can argue that, well, because life isn't back to normal, we're not doing the same things that we normally did, so we might have more time in front of the television because that's become a large portion of entertainment. There's no movies to go to. Well, I mean, there's their opening, but, you know, generally speaking, over the last few months, and some people are, you know, hesitant, uh, apprehensive of going to restaurants or whatnot. I've only I've been to three since uh, March, three restaurants, or really two. I went out with the neighbors uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then a buddy of mine says, hey, I hadn't seen for a while, calls me up, well, let's go to lunch. I say, okay, where do you want to go? And within three days, after only being to two places over four months, we went to the same place that I had went with my neighbors, (laughs) and I had gone with my neighbors. (laughs) We were back at the same spot, which I thought was kind of funny. So you would think that maybe they have some more time, but that's turned some folks off. And they're fine to be turned off. I mean, if that's your opinion, I'm not going to try to. One thing I learned through the school of hard knocks is I can't lecture anybody into believing what I believe. So I'm not even going to try. And you can believe whatever you want to believe. And fine, I'm, I'm, you know, as long as you're not hurting anybody and breaking laws, uh, I, I can live with your opinion if it's different than mine. And 
I'm not going to sway you, so I'm not even going to try to sway you. I can talk to my blue in the face why I think the way I think, but you're probably going to think, if you think differently, I'm going to have no effect on you. So I've learned the hard way of I'm not going to go through that song and dance to try to explain myself as to why I think the way I do because you're going to think the way you do, and I'm not going to change you. So why bother? Why start it in the first place? So they want to they want to do that. I, I I can understand it, but for me, all, most of the stuff that the NBA has been doing and the NFL, it's all symbolic anyway. And you know, my wife taught in South Central, and those were the schools I covered, and I have a great deal of experience. And symbolism isn't going to change lives, so I don't really care what they do. Donovan Mitchell, I honestly do whatever you want. Doesn't. I don't care. Your political opinion has, if I like it, I like it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. But I sure like to watch you play ball, man. And you're a heck of an athlete. And I am looking forward to so much these next few years just to see how good this young man can be because he's electrifying. And that's my form of entertainment. And I want to be electrified. And he provides it. And these games and football. I've been, that one thing, you know, this time of year, I'm a college football freak. You know, grew up back east where it was all about the pros. And then I moved to Arizona where we didn't have any pros. It was all about the Pac-10. When I moved out there, the Devils had moved from the WAC into the, the Pac-10. So I really got into that. And the NFL, and then I then I started working for newspapers. And I've never covered an NFL team, but I've covered multiple college teams. So I was always busy, a lot of times traveling back from places. So started the NFL season, took me a little bit to get into it because I was so enthralled with college. Well, now, you know, we really haven't. The colleges that I watch outside of BYU, they haven't been playing. So these first two weeks of the NFL, I've been super geeked about watching them. There have been some phenomenal games. I mean, I've, yeah. I've, enjoyed, I've enjoyed it all. And we had an issue with DirecTV. We called them, on, and my wife called them on another matter. And to make us feel happy, they gave us the NFL ticket. So on oh. Sundays, man, I'm kid on Christmas morning. I'm flicking all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. I, I find that why people fall for sports in the first place. My dad had a big, I know you have great respect for your dad. And my dad had an influence on me in that regard. He loved sports and he passed sure. that on to me. And uh, I, I enjoyed going to football games with him and that sort of thing. So it's funny when that when that sinks into you. I wonder through thick and thin, do you hang with it uh, when you have difficulties do. in your life? Do you do you still glom onto it, or do you do you let go for a season? What do you do? You know, and I haven't. It's been my main form of hobby and entertainment, and I anticipate that it will be until I die, which probably won't be very much longer. <laughs> oh no 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 it'll be a long time all right coming up next on the big show we'll get to what's going on and uh, something tells me uh, austin i you have not told me this but i i get the feeling that we might hear a little dj and pk and what's going on uh because we do every day or just because a little no, of that telepathy we, going on or? no we don't we don't always have something from dj and pk oh. every time all right, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get to that and uh, get to other highlights from around the station and what's going on coming up next right here on The Big Show.